What a blessing it is to have the ministry of the McFaddens here with us this week. So grateful for you guys, grateful for the, the years of pastoral ministry that you have uh, led and cared and loved at New Life in Castlegarth. And as you share today, they're going to they're gonna give you time to ask some questions as well. And the questions can be pertaining much to the discussion in which that they and we have gone over this week, but it can be broader than that. It can be wider spread than that. It can be about ministry. It can be about family. It can be about marriage. It can be about parenting. It could be about so many things. If you have a question that you have that you'd like to ask them, your time is running short, so it will be now when they open up the chance for it for you to do so because they're going to take a couple of days here to get away and spend time together and go for a little road trip, which I'm super happy for you guys. The sunshine is coming, right? It's awesome. Uh, and so as they begin, I encourage you either to jot something down in your journal, uh, write it down on your phone, so when the opportunity arises, you're ready to go and to ask your question. So why don't you two come on up? Let's give a round of applause for the McFaddens. And God bless you guys. Uh, don't give him the mic yet. He's not supposed to talk. Well, I got uh, the mic, and okay. uh, I... Gavin and I coordinated our outfits this morning, so we want to make sure we really, we re <laughs> <laughs> boots, jeans, black shirts. Hey, look, last night, folks, thanks a lot for opening up your hearts mm. and opportunity to participate in what God was doing in your life. I was going to say that. Too bad. That's okay. I'm taking it. Thank you. Second of all, last night, we dealt with forgiveness and repentance, right? Mm. We dealt with forgiveness and repentance. And it's not a one-and-done thing. We always need to walk through it. And last night, I just want to echo last night the importance of forgiveness and repentance. So actually, this morning, before we get started, before my wonderful wife brings a good word to you, I want to repent to you. That's right. Pastors are allowed to do that. They're allowed to repent. And in fact, it's a good practice to implement in your lives. I spoke out of turn last night when we were talking about the reality of what pride really is. You probably remember what pride is. Don't say it. You don't want it in your hearts. But also, I want to apologize before all of you for misspeaking or perhaps even misrepresenting my opportunity to share last night. Don't take away the things that you don't need to. Make sure you hold on to the important stuff. So thank you so much for the acceptance of my repentance. I appreciate that so much. Uh, God bless you guys. Go ahead, Maria. Oh, great. No, you can keep it because you're going to need it. Um, they gave me a really high table today, uh, so I'm just going to stand off to the side. It really points out my height. Um, you can see my head, right? Uh, I just wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to echo uh, what James said. We don't take it for granted that you let strangers come into your intimate space and you were honest and open and let us see your hearts and your struggles. And that's not an easy thing. And we 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 are appreciative of that that you're willing to allow us into that space. Uh, and I want to also echo what Gav said last night and really hit it home. The Lord doesn't move because the music is right. The Lord doesn't move because you're in a certain atmosphere, although there's nothing wrong with that. You see all the way through scripture how, how there was this, the artistic part of our faith was used, the creative part of God was used to set atmosphere and, and creativity, and that's okay, but let's not forget that that's not what causes the Lord to move. The Lord moves because of a heart of humility before him. 
The heart moves because there's an honesty, a rawness before who he is. That is why he moves. And that is something that, has, that you have access to. And as you hear our journey this morning, uh, you are going to hear that if it wasn't for that, the moments where the Lord was present while we were alone, we would have not be here today. We would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. If it wasn't for that, that reality that you don't need a space with a band and a congregation and all of the things, and you actually don't even need a whole lot of friends around because sometimes you may not have a whole lot of friends around in ministry, depending on where God calls you. You don't need all of that to have his presence in your life, to have him as a reality that is tangible on a day-to-day. Let's not forget that. I'm going to read a short passage this morning. And then I'm going to share a bit of our journey and a bit of our story with you. So John chapter 16, only a couple verses, starting in verse 12, says this. I still have many things to tell you. I actually echo, I'm not Jesus, but I echo kind of that heart. I'm like, oh, I have so many things that I could, I could share with you. Like so many things that are in my heart that I just like, oh, if I could just tell you all of this, maybe you won't do all the mistakes that we did in ministry but I don't have that time. But you can't bear them now, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what, Take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Gonna move this. James, you wanna move this for me? Thanks, love. Um, Because I'll probably run into it. Oh, thanks, Gav. And I don't need it anymore. The Holy Spirit, we've talked a lot about him and the need for him in ministry, the need for being connected. If, if we haven't heard it already, here it is again. You cannot, I don't care what ministry you are called to. I don't care if it is in the marketplace or if it is in a church or whatever ministry God is calling you to, there is an impossibility to do it without connection to the Holy Spirit. It will always be something you are constantly spinning your wheels to try and sustain that you cannot do. You need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. That passage this morning really talks about this idea. I'm calling you to something. I'm asking you to do something. And I'm going to leave you someone that's going to guide and direct you. This morning, before we... Should make sure I take the time. Okay. This morning, before we get into question and answers, and again, like Gab said, we want to give you opportunity to ask, not not because we are this great wealth of wisdom, but just because we've made a lot of mistakes and we can probably help you not make them. And so we're going to give you that time. Think of that, right? Jot them down. Try and make them clear and concise. We have a room full of people who probably like to talk because we're here in ministry. So let's make sure they're clear and concise so we can get through a lot of them. So anyways, back to this ministry. The Holy Spirit guides us. And I'm going to share my testimony, our testimony in ministry in two different ways. One is the way that we often share our testimony when people ask us about things. But it actually is of no use because there's no clarity in it. The other is what was our real life? What was it? What did it look like to really live through our testimony? What was that day to day? What did it look like to hear the voice of God and be guided by the voice of God? So here it is. We both ended up at Bible college because God ordained us to be there. 
We were led by the Spirit to end up at Bible college. We met each other. God miraculously told us we were to marry each other. We just knew that we were the ones. We ended up married and then God called us to Winnipeg. And we ended up in Winnipeg in this little rural church where God planted us there with a heart of church planting. And we helped church plant that, plant, that, that church. And we started a youth ministry and that youth ministry doubled in size and we doubled the church. Then God called us back to Castlegar with a passion for the lost. We ended up back in Castlegar at a church that needed revitalization. And so we were there to help revitalize the church. We planted enough, another youth ministry. We bought a coffee shop because God wanted us to be in the community wanted to know the community, be on the ground. James got a job in industry because that's where God called him to be. That youth ministry grew and it doubled the church again. Yay for us. We then were led by the Lord and heard his voice to leave secular jobs and to go into full-time ministry. God miraculously provided for all of our bills. Somehow it all worked out. And now we've got this job in this church that is wonderful. And, and we are seeing the miracles of the Lord happen in our lives. We then transitioned into other positions in ministry. We then transitioned into lead role through a succession plan. We now lead this church that is full of young leaders and young adults who are involved in tech and moving the church forward for the mission of the Lord, amen. We have seen deliverance happen. We have seen miracles happen. We've seen people who were blind be, be able to see. We have seen our youth pray over people in a wheelchair and watch them get up and walk. We have seen people be delivered from things that we talked about last night and walk free in the Lord. We have seen God miraculously financially support our family. We have seen God open doors that should be closed We've seen our community culture shift and change. We have actually seen our political landscape, our secular school landscape, change in our community because the Lord has shown up. All of those last statements are accurate. They are things that we have got a chance to be a part with the Lord and seen him do this. But in my whole thing that I just told you, I told you nothing about what it means to hear the Lord's voice and actually obey. I've told you nothing about what does it actually mean to hear the Holy Spirit and be guided and directed by him. And I wanna share our journey again, our testimony again. And I wanna give you some, I can't give you all, but some intimate details of what those seasons actually looked like. What did it mean to actually hear the Lord? We both ended up at Bible college. James told you his the first morning. 
He wrote off his car and was like, oh, I don't know where to go, so I'll go to Bible college. He went there an atheist. Chances are he wasn't hearing the voice of the Lord, but God did want him there, and he ended up there. I ended up there because I was running. I was in a, a relationship. I was engaged to another man. Uh, it was very abusive. I had walked away from all my family. I wasn't living at home. I had just graduated high school. It was the only place that he approved for me to go because, in his words, he could keep an eye on me, make sure I behaved myself. I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't end up there because I had been on my face before the Lord and prayed that, God, is this where you have for me? It was like, okay, I, I don't know, but I just need to get out. Like, I, I don't know what's going on, but it's something I need to get out. We end up at Bible college. We were friends. Clearly, I got there, and as you can see, I didn't marry him unless I have two husbands, but I don't. You know, it was this moment of being there and realizing and looking and saying, okay, here, here's actually a tidbit for you young men in this room, how you treat women, the care and the respect and the honor you give them can be deeply healing in their lives. I was there. I was the first time surrounded by the body of Christ again. And how I saw men interact with other women was God's light bulb moment for me of what are you doing? So we split up. He showed up. Police were called. It was a mess. It was a disaster. I was a disaster. Life was a disaster. James walks into my life as one of my good friends at that time. He's running around trying to date everyone else on campus. It was just like, <laughs> that's the reality, right? <laughs> We actually have a joke, and they say the only reason why, the only reason why he chased me is because I was the only one who said no. How did we end up married? This is how we ended up married. The Lord audibly spoke to him. Audibly spoke. I remember the moment there was this like this, this talent show, and I'm sitting there, and they're on stage, and they're practicing before it. And I remember all of a sudden he just stopped playing. He was like this. He thought it'd be fun at Bible college to do some kind of punk hardcore because he was in bands before this. Anyway, so he's playing a song. It's like rocking out, and he stops and just stares at me. And he's like, hi, Maria. I was like, that was weird. <laughs> Like, you're so weird. What the heck, right? But in this moment, God audibly said, you will marry her. So beautiful, right? So sweet. Do you know what that turned into? You want to know what God audibly told him to do that? I was so mean. I was just broken. I was this broken young woman who didn't know who I was, who didn't understand love, who was like, you're going to change. I've been down this before. Uh, no, we're just not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. He, if you ask him, would go back every night and pray, Jesus, would you please make her nicer because it's going to be a really long life. <laughs> it's true. It's actually true. I was a mess. And if God hadn't audibly spoke to him, he probably wouldn't have stuck it out. He just knew. And God did bring healing. And through lots of tears and lots of trials and a whole lot of work, whole lot of work. So yes, we were married. How did we end up in Winnipeg church planting? We ended up there because I had been told my whole life, you will go to university and you will do something with your life. You are smart. 
And so I was in a science degree. I was taking a chemistry and math degree, and that was where the university was. So we ended up there. We ended up in a church plant because friends of James's parents invited us to come hang out in their basement. We were there. I don't think we ever really decided, like, this is what we're going to do. God's calling us to church planting. No, it was just like, this is what opened. This is where we needed to be. So God speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks sometimes through real moments where you know it's clear. And sometimes it's just open doors that you walk through. Did we double the church with a youth ministry? Yeah, but there's 12 people in the church. <laughs> right? It's not very hard to do. You know, you're young, you're in your 20s and early 20s, and you're kind of cool, and you're in rural Manitoba. That'd be James, not me. Pretty easy to get teenagers to come hang out with you. We ended up back in Castlegar because I got pregnant. We were married, just so you know. So just finishing my third year of university and trying to figure out why I can't stay awake to study for my exams and realize, wow, it's because you're pregnant. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not doing that. So we looked at each other, and I'm from Castlegar, where we are at, and we wanted to be back in the Kootenays, and James is like, hey, so let's move back to Castlegar. And I think I was like, okay, but everything, was like, I don't want to go back where everyone knows me. I am a different person than I was when I left. I don't want to go there. They know who I am. They know my history. They know all of the baggage. They're going to look at me the same. I just don't want to do it. And, and it was just like, okay, but that's what we did. Like, I'd love to say that it's bigger than that, but sometimes it isn't, right? We bought a coffee shop that was actually James's dream, and sometime, somehow I got bulldozed by my family that that's not a reasonable job for a man, and so somehow I ended up buying it with my sister and my mom. A disaster. It's actually a disaster. We got there, and did it allow us to be a part of the community? Absolutely. Did God have a plan in it? Absolutely. But you know what that coffee shop did? Because of maybe not spending enough time in prayer about how to do it? it cost us $100,000. That by the time we got out and I sold it for nothing, by the way, it's still running, it's doing great, and they're doing great. I'm not a business person. You want to know why? Because I know how to. But people, if I would have listened, I would have realized people matter more to me, which means that if you want food and you're crying, I will give you food for free. If you are ostracized and no one loves you and every other restaurant in town has kicked you out because just the smell that comes with you, I will let you sit for five hours and every other customer will disappear. I'm not a good business person. But you know what? In that, we were obedient when we got out of it. God miraculously in over three-year period paid that off. How did we end up in full-time ministry? Well, we had two small kids I'm running a coffee shop. James has a full-time job. And we have 50 teenagers that hang out at our house every single day. And our life is like, okay, this is our life. And it was great. It was fun. It was totally fine. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, there was a lot of joy in it, but it was a mess. And my house was never clean. My dad came in one day and he looked and he said, I raised you better than this. You should keep it cleaner. And I just looked at him and he left and I cried. <laughs> it was just these moments of just, Lord, like, 
Let me be obedient to whatever you're putting in front of us today and we'll be obedient. James came home one day, again, the second time, it's happened twice in his life, that God, God spoke to him audibly and said, leave your job. And so he came home and told me, he said, I'm going to quit my job. Now, if you understand James and our dynamic, that's probably more, he, he actually would just come home and say, I'm quitting my job. No discussion. And I'd be like, wait a second. I need to have a 10-step plan of how this should happen because we can't just do that. And he'd be like, well, why can't we just do that? Let's just do that. And I'd be like, no, like, I, we can't do that. We need to have like a thought-out-through plan. And this is an argument that often happens in our home. Um, that is real life. That is real marriage. That is real ministry. I argued we had one of the biggest fights in our marriage over this topic. I was like, you are in an apprenticeship. God opened the doors for you to be in that apprenticeship. You have one year left. You will finish your apprenticeship and then you will quit your job because now we always have something to fall back on. He was very gracious to me and he said, I will not do it unless you're okay. And so we went a month with barely talking to each other because clearly he wasn't happy with my decision and I wasn't changing my mind because we had two small kids at home and I think at that point another two or three teenagers that were living with us and not getting paid to live with us and teenage, teenage boys eat a lot, like a lot. So this was our, our life. And so we... Uh, after about a month, he actually, he started having health problems. God, he, I, I wouldn't say it's God, but uh, he started having seizures, full seizures, never had them before in his life. At work, he worked in, in industrial, like a lead refinery industrial. He, he, seizures is not a, that's not a place you want to have seizures. Got a phone call, he's at the hospital, seizures. They sent him off work. And he'd come home. They'd run every test in the world. It was the worst year of my life, mostly because he had no license. And James sitting still, not having a license, doesn't make anyone's life fun. You probably got that rhythm from him already. He doesn't sit and sit a whole lot. It was chaos. It was a year of chaos. And they would send him back. They're like, we can't, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to go back to work. And so they would send him back to work within two days, seizure, out, send him home. We went through a whole year of this till finally, the end of that year, he looked at me, he said, you want me to go back? And the Lord was like, it was everything in me where I just felt this deep despair of, I have been disobedient to your voice. I've been disobedient because I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. I couldn't see how it would fit. And so we made a choice. He left that very good paying job to go to nothing. The church didn't have a job. We were doing full-time ministry, but it was a small church. We didn't, they didn't have a job for us. We had no income. We made that decision knowing we would have no income because the Lord was clear. This is the decision you are to make. He spoke and we listened. Our family, my family, didn't take that well. Remember back to you will do something with your life. You will have a plan. You will be organized. They didn't take that well. So we really had no support. We now quit a job and family and a good chunk of people 
who was our support and were supposed to be Christians told us we were crazy and we should not make this decision. We had small kids at home and a mortgage and bills and this is not the decision you should make. It is not responsible. So now we lived in this season where God, we're being obedient to what you're asking of us, but we can't ask for help because that would tell them that, look, see, you didn't actually hear the Lord. That was a year of our lives, a year of our lives where we had no income. I'm still running a coffee shop that is losing money. A year of our lives. Side note, James has not had a seizure since. Not one. They never figured out what was wrong. Never had a seizure since. This was a year. I'll speed up so we have time for questions. This was a year of our life where it forced us to be on our knees. I would actually know our bills were coming out on a Friday. We'd be down to our last loaf of bread and maybe a little bit of milk. Again, not feeling like we could ask for help because we had to prove to everyone that, yeah, the Lord was speaking and we were being obedient and being on our face like, God, I don't know how I'm going to feed all these kids. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I, I, we, we need you. And we would go and we would come home. It happened for a full year. We would get an envelope on our counter, different writing every time with a different scripture and every time. So I don't think it was the same person with the exact amount to the dollar of our bills for that month. Every year. Because we were obedient. We have struggled since then financially at different moments. We're like, okay, we don't know. And sometimes that has turned into someone calling James and said, hey, I've got a job. You want to come do it for two days? Yeah, I'll come work. I have had part-time jobs on the side to help provide in certain ways. God provides in different ways, but all the time he opens doors and he closes doors when that's what he wants to do. It has been a difficult time to change the culture of our church only by God's, God's grace. Young leaders being humble enough to come under the leadership above you, even when you disagree with them, is the best lesson you can learn. Do you hear me? You hear our journey. You hear God showing up. You know what that meant? That meant we actually went almost a whole, uh, probably at least five years, maybe even longer. Every month, the board got a letter from our secretary of something we did wrong that week. Years. Years of just being, look at these young punks. They don't know what they're doing. But choosing to say, God, this is where you planted us. This is who you put us under. And we will keep our heads down and we will continue to do what you've asked us to do. You want to see the miraculous? You want to see the Holy Spirit guide you? You want to see the miracles of deliverance and healing and culture shift in a place? Keep your head down and do what God's asked you to do. It's not going to come from standing on a stage and belittling people and telling them that they need to change. It's going to come from you staying long enough to show through your life that God does things. We have been in Castigar for 17 years. It has probably been the last five where we've actually seen a shift. It was a lot of years where we were the only young people in our church. A lot of years we felt really alone. A lot of years where you're before the Lord and you're just like, God, sustain us. You're asking us to do this, sustain us. It's a lot of years of saying yes on your own. 
But there is this sense of calling. At the end of the day, you knew you were being obedient to the Lord. And there is a peace that was in us. Not easy, trust me, not easy. There was a lot of tears over the kids that would leave our home because they chose to go back to the life that they were going back to. And we knew it was going to be destruction. There was a lot of nights where I sat up and I just wept before the Lord. God, I love them. They're my kids. God, they're going down destruction and I can't change it. There is a lot of heartbreak. But there's a lot of celebration. You know some of them. There's a lot of moments where we get to look in awe and say, like Tanisha, God, how how have you been so gracious? So gracious. Ministry, I'm going to call James up. We're going to go into questions. Ministry is hard. Purpose is hard. Following the Lord is hard. And hearing his voice comes in all different ways. Don't let anyone tell you. Sometimes taking a job in ministry literally just means a job was presented and you said yes. If God wants you somewhere, he will make it clear. If it is not what you're, what you're, the direction you're going, you plan If God wants to change your plan and you have a heart posture before him of obedience, he will change it. Don't wait for the voice of God in order to move. Sometimes just move and he'll move you as he wants to if you have a heart of humility before him saying, God, I want the fullness. Whatever that is, I'm willing. I want the fullness. Whatever that is, I am willing willing. Have a heart posture before the Lord of that, and you will see God do the miraculous in your lives. You will get to be a part of it, but you also be so aware that it has very little to do with you. That's a great thing to know. James, I'm going to call you up. We just wanted to give you guys time to ask questions. Uh, We have this kind of crazy life experience. James has been on the fire hall. He's now the chaplain for the RCMP. I sit on city council. We have obviously owned a business. We've been in ministry, where we were doing bivocational ministry, where we didn't even know we were in ministry. Uh, All of the the things. And so really, we just wanted to sit and say, hey, if we can help you, uh, we want to be able to do that. So... um, I just, talked longer than I planned. I'm sorry. just want to touch on one thing real quick. Maria said, uh, you know, we, we took a $100,000 hit when we sold our coffee shop. $100,000 hit. Like, I owed hundred k. And Maria glazed over it. Oh, yeah, God just miraculously provided for that to be paid off in three years. This is a message for the men here. Hmm. Pay attention to me right now. God did miraculously pay that $100,000 off. And do you know how that happened? We worked hard. That happened by me getting off my butt, realizing that I'm not going to get some magical check in the mail from the Almighty God. That came from waking up, in addition to pastoring, working with teenagers and being up all hours of the night, that came from taking a courier job that started at three o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock in the morning, where I drove all around our Kootenai region to drop parcels off at people's houses, you know, like the Amazon guys do. And I did that every single morning for years. And every penny that came from that 
I put away. And what's amazing is I didn't even come close to making $100,000. But my diligence in saying yes to Jesus and being obedient, using these hands that he has given me, yeah. God multiplied that. That's good. That's good. Very good. Men, work hard. Work hard. Work hard. And God will bless that. That's good. Questions? Yeah. We totally planned. I only planned on like talking for like 10 minutes. It went longer. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, I guess I got stuck. Yeah. So questions. We just wanted to kind of like, um, yeah, give you guys an opportunity to answer. So just, you know, if you have a question, stand up. Stand up and say it out and we will, uh, now I got to move up, but otherwise I look really small. There we go. Um, yeah, go for it. Uh, oh man! Thanks like, for reminding everyone of my disobedience. That's great. That's great. Yeah. That so if you didn't hear the question, question, the question was when my wife told me not to listen to God. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know what? Like for real, like there's a lot of emotion that goes in that, right? Because you want to be honoring to the Lord, but you also are married. And welcome to marriage. Sometimes there's disagreements, and sometimes the two of you aren't going to see eye to eye on everything, and you have to reach a compromise. My position in that was realizing, okay, if God's serious. Um, I don't need to rush his timeline. He can figure it out and he can speak to my wife. And so I had to patiently wait and endure horrendous amounts of seizures and hospital visits and tests. Um, uh, going, going all between the Okanagan and Alberta, poked and prodded and hooked up to machines uh, while she figured out the lesson. So that's how I responded to that. And how, how did it make me feel? How did it make me feel? Well, um, I was on anti-seizure medication for a year. I'd lost my driver's license, which I loved. Uh, I missed out on opportunities to connect with friends and family. So it was a really do, special do you, time. Do you still need to forgive me? It was a, Is no. there a forgiveness <laughs> issue? It was a special time. I, I feel but listen, like maybe this is on your list. <laughs> but listen, like, like, so how did it make me feel? It was terrible. Like, it sucked yeah. so bad. Yeah. But you know what? What's a year? Like, it's just a year. Who cares? Yeah. It's all good on this side of things. But good question. Thank you. Uh, other questions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually, I, I think that is all of it. All, all of it. Uh, so, so I think the, to give you the answer to the question, I need to give you a little context. Um, uh, so it's not only my hometown, not only my home church, it was a church that traditionally my family ran. So not necessarily they weren't pastors, but they were all kind of like first and second generation Christians. And because the church was small, like 75% of them were related to me. And uh, I wouldn't say necessarily healthily ran. And so it was, it was a very unhealthy culture in the church. And so it was hard. It was actually like, and I don't want to whitewash that. It was extremely hard. Uh, what it did do it, though, and I actually now va really value uh, value this, is it forced me to really know my identity and who God has made me to be. Like I really had to wrestle with God, is this your decision or is this pressure? And it came to the point where I had to draw lines in the sand and I, I had to say, this is what God has called us to do. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. That comes before anything else. So it, it was hard. There were seasons where there was separation of relationship. Um, 
And so what did I do? I honestly had to go before the Lord often and say, is this your voice? What are you asking? I constantly had to be like the, the members now on the board, like knew me from a baby. Like how are they to look? And I had to also learn a humility in that, that this is a really hard journey for them too, to, to, to look at now, how do I take authority from someone that I helped raise? That, and I had to honor that. I had to be respectful of that and know, know that and know that it was going to take them some time to come to that position. And, and I had to be gracious enough to listen when they felt the need to try and give me guidance and direction, even if it was misguidance and direction, but realize that that was their place in my life and that that would take some time. Uh, so it was, it was difficult. Now on the other side of it, though, I can understand God's plan because I actually don't think there would be the cultural shift in the church that there was without an insider bringing it. Like, I don't actually know if our church could have, because pastors before us had tried to change some of those systemic issues that were in the church. They really had tried really hard and they got chewed up and out the door. So uh, yeah, so I think I can see now on the other side of it, why and the picture of it. So it's just coming for the Lord and actually saying, okay, what are you saying? Don't let that influence anything else. Who have you made me to be? Not what everyone else thinks. Uh, that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Questions? While you're thinking of some questions, I'll, I'll give you another piece of fun information. I think like being an open book in ministry is super important because we don't often get a chance to like look at the intimate realities of what ministry look like, looks like. So we'll talk about uh, wages really quick too because this is important to remember. Sometimes we think that we're going to jump into ministry and we're going to be able to have like these awesome career salaries and just go out and, and live some life. And, you know, and, and we see that because of what pop culture Christianity kind of presents for us all the time. And it's just not true. The reality is it just simply isn't true. So how do you live in this world and be able to get by in this world um, with, you know, when you're dealing with the reality of, uh, of what wages look like in a church? Uh, well, you get creative. You find different ways and you use the skill sets that God has blessed you with and, and leverage those things in order to be able to make mm -hmm. an income and supplement. Mm -hmm. So Marie and I, and I have no problem sharing this, Marie and I each make $27,000 a year from our church, from our church wages. We're full-time we get paid $27,000 a year each. Seems impossible. Seems impossible. But you know what's really cool? Is that as we give back to the Lord what he has graciously blessed us with, he also grants us opportunities to go out and find other ways to make money. Whether that's buying and selling houses. For, for a while, it started with buying ruined cars and I would repair them in our garage and sell them to single moms who needed cars to drive. Or, or changing brakes or, or fixing stuff around the community. Uh, finding creative ways to be able to supplement. Yeah. But what's cool is those creative I took part -time ways. teaching jobs, yeah. my background, and with different things. And like, yeah, so we just, you know, you find, you find these ways to, to supplement. Yeah. And the shift in perspective from, um, from your job being your calling is, is a really good perspective mm -hmm. to go into ministry with, that what you do to, to make your money doesn't necessarily have to equate to what you do for purpose. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and knowing that shift. And it's good because those little things, those, those ways where you're, you're just kind of forced to have to figure other things out, it puts you in the community that you live in. Mm. And that's, the, that's the actually kind mm -hmm. of a really neat thing, yeah, right? It's good. Like I have done roofs, I've done siding, I've done whole home renovations, but it puts you in people's homes in the midst of their challenge and you get to simply bring the light of Christ with you wherever you go, yeah. which is really good. That's actually a really fun way to be able to do it. 
question? Oh. Okay. You want to start? Yeah. <laughs> can I can I prefix this by you have to understand our personalities. Anyone who knows us well knows that we are opinionated, feisty people. So we're not naturally very submissive people. <laughs> like just like it just because it, it helps you understand our context. So it might have even been more challenging for us than maybe it would be for someone else. But yeah. Yes, the Lord has softened me. I'm really over interested the years. in hearing your, your, uh, your No, person. okay. Are you this is this is what it is for real? And we were actually given this piece of advice from a really close mentor and friend yeah. of ours. Um, if you're doing ministry alongside of your spouse, these are the these are the rules of engagement. Fight well to the glory of God. Seriously, because you gotta ha- you gotta get it out. You can't just harbor it. You're gonna go nuts. So fight well to the glory of God. Deal with it. Deal with it. Get it out. It's not the end of the world. You chose each other. You believe in your marriage, and so do it well together. And that comes with all the ups and the downs. But walk in that commitment. It's fine. It's no big deal. You're gonna have moments that you feel are tremendously big deals. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of eternity. Clean the house more and come alongside of each other and help out a bit better. It's fine. So fight well to the glory of God. But the other piece that we are, advice we are given is get to know who each other are completely mm, outside really of good. ministry. Yeah. Like, and I'm yeah. serious. So we, we are actually told a bunch of years ago, you need to have your finish lines. Maria talked about that. And weekly we have our finish lines, quarter, or monthly, quarterly, and yearly we have our finish lines. And, and we have a rule that was given to us that on your Fridays or on your quarterly things, whatever it is that you do, you are not allowed to talk about church. You're not allowed to. So on our Fridays, we are not allowed to talk about church. And sometimes it makes her really mad because she just wants to talk church all the time. And it's like, whatever. That's I, gotcha. for me. I don't have um, the attachment like she does. And, and so we, like, she wants to because that's a connection point. And I, and I don't. I don't. And, and we have to learn. We have to learn yeah, yeah. who each other is outside of church. Mm-hmm. We have to learn. Uh, because God didn't create us to just be churchgoers. So anyway, can I? Yeah. um, uh, So, if from my perspective, uh, I do think it's yeah. Have lots of fun and have sex often. It's true. Um, You know, and it. I guess it goes back to your like connection piece. (laughs) Anyways, it's true. It is true. There's this piece of like our home is fun. Like it has a lot of, it's been a lot of chaos and a lot of heaviness. But if you ask our kids about our, them growing up, like they would see just that it was a home full with, with joy as well. Like we have a lot of fun in the midst of the chaos. Like we're just like, it's just, you know, you roll with the chaos. Like it's just going to be chaos. That's not my natural disposition, just so you know. My natural disposition is to have a plan and in a program for everything. And so, uh, it, you know, to assess the risk and make decisions based on that assessment. We have very opposite personalities. Um, so what in, in ministry, sorry, to get back to the point in ministry, um, so there's a couple things. One, do not let anyone else define what your role should be. Like they, they, when we interviewed us and we were clear that we would co-lead together. And then they said, well, we can only actually put one on paper because we only have a system that allows one lead pastor on paper. And, and we wrestled with that. And anyway, so they, they, we, co- we told them we'd co-lead pastor. We were clear about this is what James does and this is what I do. Here's our skill sets. And their response back was, well, maybe Maria can take over like some of the secretary stuff and do that. And I was like, did you not hear me? Like, so we were, and I very, I didn't say that. I said it very graciously, but um, 
we didn't let anyone else define. James has kind of alluded to it. I am more the traditional pastoral kind of mind. I like the church. I like the organization of the church. I like programs. I like plans. I, I like structure. And, and so I like board meetings and like, like I, I kind of, this, this more my personality, people will automatically default to James for that in the local church. And that's okay. That because used to bug I'm the me guy. because he's the it's, guy. It's shifting, and it's shifted here to, as a college. But I do want you to be prepared that the local church takes a little bit longer to shift, and just be gracious with them. That they will default to James, and we have to. James is often telling them, "Actually, you need to talk to Maria. Like that's her thing." And and so that's part of it is don't let other people define your roles or try to fit into what they want you to do as a married couple. Know who you are and 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 uh, function in that. The second piece. If you really have a deep calling for ministry, don't let that come above your marriage. That is, was actually a wrestle, to be honest, for me. There was many times where I'm like, where I'm like, where he was at or, or what the church may need. And I was like, well, the church needs this and you're telling me you need this. Well, the church should come before you. I would have said that, but really that's what I was functioning. And God really changed my heart a few like it was years ago just on this I just sat before him I'm like God like I feel like this is really challenging in our marriage but the church is going well and I don't want to I don't know what to do and God said what well, comes first and so there was moments and there was actually a moment where I told James and I said you know what if if we can't figure this piece out I can't remember what it was and and this is where you land and it is becoming hard for you to, for me to be alongside you in ministry. You know what I choose first? I choose our marriage and I'm okay stepping away. And you know what that did in him? It actually, I think, showed him, which is what he needed to know, is that I chose him first and the church second. And so that's really, really important to recognize that you will disagree, but that disagreement should not cause dissension in your marriage. And if it does, you're doing it wrong. And you just need, even if you think your spouse is making the wrong decision, just submit to whatever decision because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it at the end of the day. At the end of the day, uh, what I'm accountable first is if I still have a healthy marriage and if my kids love the Lord. That's my top priority. And ministry comes under, ministry comes under that. Yeah, great question. There's someone over here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know what? There's, there's a lot of hours in the day. <laughs> there, there are, right? Like, there's 24 of them. <laughs> And you know, how, so how do you, how do you want to use them? So I, sometimes you are like bloodshot eyes, tired, and you're living off coffee. And like, I've got ADD. And so like, I microdose meth basically to a function. <laughs> True story. You can look in my Okay, let me clarify. Because again, bag. he says these things. If you know what actual ADD medication is, it's, that's what it is. But for someone with ADD, meth. it actually calms you. It doesn't make you like, that's yeah. because their brain is no, wired. <laughs> I'm just joking around. I'm serious. Like I do take, I, yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. But what I'm trying to tell you is, look, so, you know, uh, tackle, tackle some of that stuff when you're younger, because when you get older, it becomes harder. So figure out your rhythm when you're young and yeah. you get your sillies out, get all your energy out, establish a good base when you're younger, if you can, because you'll have the energy for it. Because the older you get, you know, every extra hour that you stay up that you shouldn't, you get a gray hair. 
It's true. Like I've got lots and they're coming in and they're coming in my beard. So, you know, uh, when it comes to like finding some balance or striking some balance and, and sorting that out, um, having healthy boundaries is actually super important. Yes. Being able to say no is super important. Here's, here's a really crucial key you got to remember. You're not Jesus. You never will be. Plain and simple. Like you're just, you're just not. You're not Jesus and you never will be. And so, you know, when the calls come in at three or four o'clock in the morning or people are like losing their minds and you're being completely drained, you know, you want to pray for them for sure. But if you're not cautious, you are going to replace the Savior in their lives. Yes. And sometimes you actually need to step away from the mess and the chaos of other people's circumstances so that they get a face-to-face confrontation with the living God, not the living James. Yeah. So I, me and Maria, we can't fix all the stuff. We can't. We just simply can't fix all the stuff. We can't respond to all the things. So priorities are this. Um, my relationship with Jesus, making sure that's legit and on track. I take my Wednesdays and I disappear in the bush and spend it up in the mountains with the Lord. Like that's actually what I do because I have to for sanity. And, and we focus on our marriage and our children. And then things come from that. And if other folks don't like that, that's okay. We're not obstinate or rude about it. But that's just the rhythm that we have had to learn to walk in in order to manage the, the stuff that's in front of us. Can I uh, give you a bit more specifics? Because that's my personality is like, let me give you some practical specifics. Uh, yeah, of what that, what that looked like. Um, so it, everyone is called to ministry differently. So I do not want you to hear our story and be like, this is what my life needs to look like. I just want to give you our context. We're both pretty extroverted, as you can probably tell. That's our natural personality. Uh, we're both very high energy people. Not everyone is built like that. James with his ADD likes change. He likes to be going all the time. And so that plays into how we did it. I just want you to understand that. Other people's rhythm is different because they're created different. And that's really good to know. So back to us, how we did it. Um, Very early on, we realized that separating family and ministry was not going to work for what we were doing. That just wasn't a system that was going to work for us with both of us being in ministry. And uh, so we felt really, really, um, I don't know if I want to say called by the Lord or if it's like, because that just makes it sound. We just did it. I think we just knew that. And so our children were actually integrated into everything we did. And so there was times in ministry where we were supposed to be at the church, both of us, and one of the kids was melting down because they were just having a really rough day and the week was too busy. And, and I was like, I'm staying home. Like, you go, I'm home. It's great. But most of the time, they were with us. We brought them to History Makers. Our youngest was nine months when she came to History Makers in a stroller with us. I didn't sleep in the hotel room. Like, I was up walking all the time with her. And so, so we brought them with us. That was our rhythm. Our kids have been coming to Moore far, far yeah. longer than any of you have been coming to the college. Yeah. I was telling Jace last night, I remember the first Moore we brought a team to, and our kids came, and they slept, and they came to the service. They learned. Again, I taught them from a very young age, like, this is a time of, that's sacred, and you need to be respectful of that. So they knew how to sit and color if they didn't want to pay attention. Um, and they knew, like, that's just what I, something I taught them. But they also knew that God speaks to you too. So it, an example would be, we're at Moore. I think they were eight and six at the time. Tally, I think, had fallen asleep under the chairs, our youngest. Our eight-year-old was there, and she's like, you know, a 30-year-old in an eight-year-old's body because that's just her personality. And so she's listening to everything they're saying. And after, it was time to pray. And well, God gave her a word, and actually it was for Tanisha. God gave her a word. And she, like, as prayer time, she went over to Tanisha. She spoke that word over her and began to pray over her. Like, I, I remember that. And so I think, 
I think we understood that God's, God called our family and spoke through our kids too. And so we didn't give them permission to, to derail ministry. That was never like a thing. But we gave them permission to be there and to allow the Lord to use them as well. And so I think that helped us in rhythm. Uh, and, and again, it came down to our personalities of knowing who we were and then finding a system that works within there and then giving them time. So like I said, Fridays is our time together. Sunday nights was always our kids' time. And everyone knew, do not call us, do not talk to us. This is their time. And, and so I think they just knew that. They got used to, to being our top priority, but being integrated into, into our world. Yeah. Yeah. And be okay with bringing them on the journey and the things you do, but also allowing the journey to come into your space as well. We've had all sorts of colorful characters come through our home over the years. Um, like, yeah. Lots of interesting things. An entire Hells Angels biking group stayed at our house overnight once, which is really special. A uh, different story for a different day. But the kids sat on laps and told stories and talked and, and visited. Okay. Okay. And these are important things, like bringing the kids on. I feel like, again, he, says, the, bring, he says these things, and then I feel like I need to clarify no, 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 so okay. people don't think I'm a bad parent. No, no, um, she's, a, she's a bad parent. But, you know, bringing people, bringing people, you know, it's great, because we we're actually, like, bad parents, and by the grace of God, we, like, sort it out as we go. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but, you know, like bringing your kids on the journey. So you, you work it all together in how you, uh, how you deal with your days and you just yep. go on the journey together. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, can I just finish the practicality of that? Like it, no, it does come with. Maria doesn't want you to have bikers in your house. No, that's, what she's that's saying. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we had a rhythm where we had a lot of people coming and going. But as a mom, because this was kind of on me, there was a lot of boundaries. And so there was a lot of nights where I slept with my door open between yeah. me and the kids and whoever was staying there. Yeah. with one ear open. And so it wasn't like we just did things like willy-nilly and who cares if yes. our kids get hurt in the mix of it. It was a very intentional, no one knew that, even the teenagers like, that, that lived with us. Like, there, was, there was always boundaries to make sure we kept our family safe and figuring out how to do that. And that was hard in moments and that took, took time in moments, but, but you find ways to do it to keep your family healthy and to still be obedient to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta let them go. If they need to. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We did this a couple of years ago when Mike Dell was here for our spiritual emphasis. Is we gave an official dismissal because we still have classes this afternoon. Yep. There is lunch to make sure we eat before we get back to class. So we're going to give an official dismissal right now. Uh, we'll pray over you guys quickly. But those who would like to stay for a little longer and ask a couple more questions, you can come up to the front and you guys can continue that conversation. Great. Cool? Yep, we're awesome. Yep. Well, let's pray. Can we all extend our hands towards the McFaddens? And we'll pray over them. Well, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your ministry that has taken place in our lives this week. So grateful for the work that you've done in this room. So grateful for the work that you've done in our hearts through their obedience to you, through their submission and their surrender to you. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I, I am encouraged, not just encouraged, I feel edified uh, by the work that you've done in their lives, in their marriage, in their parenting, in their family dynamic, in their church. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you the glory for who they are to this day, the journey that you have brought them on, the journey that you are bringing them through for their children, for their girls, Paige and Talia. We pray a blessing over them. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, in your name, would you keep them safe? May your favor be upon them. We pray for Stewie. We pray for the other kids in their life. Lord, yeah. would you bless them? Um, I think of Stuart and his future and marriage. God, keep him uh, yeah. Yeah. focused towards you. I pray for him and Missy. God, I pray a blessing over their, their soon-to-be marriage. Yes. Um, 
Lord, safety in their travels, I ask. And Lord, what has transpired these last few days? What has taken place here uh, on campus? Lord, may we not um, quickly forget. Jesus, in your name, may we not quickly just move on or move back to old habits. Mm -hmm. Spirit, I pray, would you impress upon our hearts conviction to stay focused and obedient and submissive to you. And as we go back even to classes uh, this afternoon and to bed tonight and into a rhythm that we have been uh, on previously, may we not miss the work that you've done here this week. Thank you, Lord, for your grace in our lives, for your mercy, and that you meet with us every day. In your name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up one more time for the McFaddens? Okay, so we're going to give you the official dismissal. God bless you. Have a great Thursday. If you would like to stay, have a couple more questions. Come up to the front here, and these guys would love to spend a few more minutes with you.